Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affect all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Sunday edition, and I'm your host, Anthony Corona. And we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got a dynamically jam-packed show for you today. Um, it is mostly, almost all, about audio description um, in various forms. We're going to be talking in a few minutes with Janine Stanley, who has an exciting set of announcements from Ira, and we are partnering up once again. You've seen some of the postings. What are we up to? Well, in just a few moments, you're going to find out. We will then be speaking with Jolyn Bailey Page and a bunch of folks who are involved in audio description in our national parks and monuments. And we're going to be talking about how you can access the, the amazing description that's been done for the Uni Descript Uni Descript. Wow, say that five times fast. Project um, and how we can get up and get moving out of doors. There's some special ways that we're going to talk about today. But first, I want to uh, welcome Cheryl Cummings back to the show. She's going to, she's going to give us uh, two announcements about um, the MCAC committee. Cheryl, welcome back, honey. Hey, thank you so much, Anthony. This is so generous of you to allow me to um, take a few minutes from your show to make some announcements about uh, upcoming activities. So the first one is our focus call. The Multicultural Affairs Committee is sponsoring a focus call that is scheduled for Tuesday, November 23rd at 8.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Time. And at that, we will be discussing the memoir by Sonia Sotomayor um, called My Beloved World. We selected this book because it is in English and Spanish available and Braille available on BARD. And um, we're going to try something new. We're going to try having a discussion that is bilingual. So we invite everybody to read the book uh, and join us. And if you, I, I'd love to read off the, um, the numbers, the DB numbers. Uh, Please. So, the DB number English is 76059. The Braille is BR19806. The Spanish DB number is DB76955. So I know the book is like 12 hours long, um, but we've been announcing this over time and I hope you know, people have heard about it, but if you haven't, you can absolutely start reading and, uh, you know, even if you don't finish it, come by and spend some time and hang out with us and let's talk about the book. It's really fascinating. Um, and the second one I want to talk about, this is an announcement that we're just starting to put out. So uh, the April is, that's April 2022, is <laughs> National, <laughs> I know is National Diversity Month. The Multicultural Affairs Committee is responsible for the um, April Braille Forum. 
And we really want to invite ACB members to write articles and to contribute to that uh, forum. So we're looking for articles that are anywhere from 300 to 500 words. Um, and the theme we came up with is called, uh, it's talking about culture. So your culture within your family and the larger American society and how that impacts how you live your life as a blind person. Um, the deadline to submit the articles will be on January 20th, 2022. And um, you can e email the articles to me or you can um, call me and uh, dictate it and I will gladly write it up. Um, so to get my contact information, you can visit the MCAC webpage, which is acb.org slash committee dash MCAC. And that's it. All right, and I am sure that we will be speaking to you before April, but you'll definitely come back in April and we will explore the themes, uh, some of the submissions that were sent in and um, open it up to live conversation. Absolutely. So thank you, Cheryl. Thank, thank you, you thank so you, much, thank Anthony. You. Okay, bye. <laughs> I want to um, remind folks that last year, ACB started the ACB Family Holiday Table, um, and we did programming for all of the uh, all of the holidays. And this year is no exception. Um, there's a huge block of programming all day on Thanksgiving. Myself, I am taking the five to six o'clock hour, and I've got a nice little surprise um, geared up for you folks. So I hope um, many of the listeners will come and join us there. I would like to um, ask Janine Stanley to unmute. <laughs> Welcome hey, back hey Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> you want to dive in first with your oh, holiday cheer? Absolutely. So we have a holiday cheer promo that will start tomorrow at, uh, it actually is going to start at 12 a.m. Pacific time tomorrow. And it will run through 11.59 p.m. on December 31st, 2021. And what we're going to do this time is we are going to give you rewards for using our access partners. So as you all may know, IRA access partners are those organizations, um, entities that have purchased IRA minutes for you to use free while you are using their product, their service, their location, whatever it is that you may be using from that company. And so every Friday for the next six weeks, we are going to draw one person's account from everybody who has used any of our access offers during that time period. And we'll have two drawings. We'll have one for the US and we'll have one for, <clears throat> pardon me, Australia, Canada, New Zealand and the UK, because they don't have as many access locations, you know, in country as we do here in the US that are exclusive to the US. <clears throat> Pardon me. Gee, I didn't think I was going to lose my voice here. Anyway, so uh, each week we will draw two prizes. And then at the end of this auspicious time, we are going to reward the person who has used the most minutes with access offers through the six week time period starting tomorrow. And you will win a grand prize, which includes, and you will find the prizes on our website, but this includes the coveted IRA hoodie. So you <laughs> will get an IRA hoodie, get excited. Um, I know everyone is just waiting for that. But 
Troy Attilio announced a new prize, and Troy, of course, is our CEO. He announced the CEO prize during our call uh, this past Wednesday, and that is for the person who has used the most access offers for the first time. And believe it or not, yes, we can compute all of those things. Data is beautiful. Okay. <laughs> and we can tell who in the in this six-week period has used the most access offers for the first time. And so if you want any details on these, you can go to our shiny new website, which we also announced this past week. We have been feverishly working to redo our website. And so go up there, take a look, take a look around. But we have a page called ira.io slash access dash promotion dash overview. I know it sounds like a lot, but uh, there are dashes in between the words access promotion an overview. And you can go up there and you will see first thing up there, the holiday cheer promo. And as we continue to build the site, you're going to see more and more information about new promos, new things that are coming up with our access partners, and also the list of <clears throat> access partners. And I will tell you that the list up there for this contest is not complete. So anything that is not sponsored by Ira either physical locations or online is definitely uh, qualifies for this particular contest. There are a couple of things that don't. And so please look up there. You can see which offers specifically do not qualify. That would be our job seeker offer, our COVID offer, anything that you have to log in with a separate profile for like your work or your school, those don't count, but boy, a lot of other things do. So that is that contest, but then you, Anthony, came up with this super fun idea, which we cannot wait to see the results of. So let's roll it out. Yeah, well, you know, we wanted to, to highlight some creativity. What I, one of the things that I love about the Ira Facebook page is I'm constantly getting new ideas, whether it be that I'm trying something that someone did specifically and posted about, or I'm tweaking something that I wanted to do based upon what someone else did. So we thought, what can we do to make Christmas, uh, you know, the holiday season this year, a little bit more fun? And so we decided that we would challenge either existing IRA um, explorers or drop in and out IRA explorers who don't necessarily have a plan as of yet to use IRA for any of their holiday tasks, whether it be decorating the tree, picking out that ugly Christmas sweater, um, oh, yeah. building a gingerbread house. I mean, even if you wanna, if you wanna roll up snowballs and use IRA to film a snowball fight, you know, our imaginations are the limit. Whatever you can think of in a holiday theme, write it up, send it into the Sunday edition email, which is celebration with my initials, celebrationac at aol.com. Please include the time of the call, a description of what you used the service for, how you used it, and the agent who helped you, and a team from Sunday edition, and Ira will go through the submissions, and we will be awarding one month of service, whatever level plan you happen to be on, and if you are not a current um, Explorer, then you will get one month of the basic service and you'll get to come on Sunday edition in January with me and Janine, where we usually banter back and forth about new tips we've heard and things like that. But we're going to skip that for today because we're going to come back in January and spend an hour with the winner 
talking all about Ira. And I'm sure on that call, Janine, you'll probably have some more interesting promos or something. I'm sure we will, actually. I am sure we will as we start our, let's see, this would be our seventh year of existence for Ira. Hard to believe. But yeah, we're going to start that. And the Ira Holiday Cheer Contest, you also do not have to have a paid plan. You could be a guest to win in that particular contest as well. So this should be fun. Tell us what you've done, maybe this year, maybe last year. And you can find, if you don't remember, well, when did I make that call and what was the agent's name? You can go into the usage tab at the bottom of the app. And that's also in the uh, navigation drawer in Android. You can go in there, you can take a look and go back through your call history and see when that call was and who you spoke with. But we also love holiday disaster stories. So, you know, if you used an agent to either avoid or um, deal with the results of a holiday disaster, um, we would love to hear about those too, because those are always fun, right? I will promise this, even if they don't end up being the winner, if we have a guide dog story about, a turkey or a ham that might not um, make it all oh, the way no. to the Thanksgiving table. I will read that out in January, never whether happens. you win or not. <laughs> that never happens, right, Bodie? That never happens, right, dude? No, not, no, not with never. Bodie, no. No, never. <laughs> well, Usually it's mean, the rolls that don't make it, so. Well, I, I actually heard a story last year about um, somebody waking up. They had left the turkey out to chew to frost, and they had about a third of the turkey, you know, <gasps> left on the bone and bones and turkey pieces scattered. Oh, all wow. The <laughs> <laughs> okay, dogs, no, don't get any ideas from this. Cats, do not tempt the dogs with any ideas. No, no, no. Well, speaking of that, Anthony, I'm going to run and make some dessert for Thanksgiving dinner that will happen later this week. So I'm going to go play with cranberries. All right. Well, happy holidays. And we will talk Same again very, you. very soon. Absolutely. Take care. <laughs> Take care. From one day to another, I have the very, very distinct pleasure of calling her my co-host for today. Uh, the incomparable, the incredible Miss JoLynn Bailey Page. Welcome back to Sunday Edition. Well, Anthony, what an introduction. Far too generous. But thank you. And it's always a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm today um it's just my great pleasure to to welcome um members of the university of hawaii the national park service and our own some of our own members here to talk about audio description in the national parks specifically the unit description project which um i will leave those details to the experts but um it's it's something that that has been near and dear to ACB and the audio description project since 2017 officially, but it goes back further than that, and uh, it's all about accessibility in our parks, making sure that um, we reach the widest audience and also to get feedback from members um, so that there's a really strong interaction between the National Park Service and um, folks who are interested in accessibility in all forms. So I'm going to kind of turn this back to you and maybe we can begin our introductions and introduce some topics. 
Absolutely. I just wanted to remind the folks of two things. And the first is we are definitely going to have a question and answer or comment section a little bit later on in the show. So as always, folks, you can get the Zoom information from our Facebook page or you can get it from all of the various ACB lists. Or if you have an email from a an Ultra Sunday edition, it's the same Zoom information. So please join us if you have questions or comments for these fine folks as we talk. And um, I also wanted to announce that we very, very successfully pulled off the inaugural audio description gala this week. And you can access that on um, ACB podcasts, uh, ACB media slash podcasts. But more importantly, if you access it through the Peacock streaming service, and you do not have to have a paid subscription with Peacock. It is one of the one of the content that will be available through December 31st for anyone and everyone who would like to learn about audio description. And for me, I hands down, I think the coolest thing besides seeing or hearing Aquaman on an audio description program was the fact that the entire program was audio described on the main track. So it was not turn on and turn offable. Anybody who experiences it, experiences it the same way that we do. Um, and so the more that we get clicks on Peacock, the more that it will show industry, you know, industry insiders and coming from 10 plus years at the Associated Press, Janine uh, just said it a couple of moments ago, we love data, data is extremely important, every click counts. So I implore you to please go to Peacock when you have some free time and just click it on, give it a second, third, fourth listen, or just keep it on in the backgrounds while you're doing those Christmas chores or setting up that holiday Iris Sunday edition challenge. Um, Jolyn, what um, what did you love about the gala? Um, I loved learning more about um, individual reactions from folks who enjoyed the description. I, I had a sense of what was going to go into the program, but for me, the most valuable part was, was getting the feedback from folks, frankly, all over the world who wrote in or called and said they learned, they weren't really, they really did not, had not understood the full impact of description, what it could do, what it could provide. And it wasn't just from folks who were blind um, or have low vision, it was from sighted people as well. And, um, you know, there's so many ways that, that description can be, can enhance our lives and um, to, to see it included as a seamless part of the production. And also to know that we have um, describers, voicers, sound engineers who are employed, who are also blind or have low vision. That's an incredibly important part. So all of those things were featured during the gala. I thought it was educational as well as entertaining. And it certainly was entertaining. Um, but it was it was focused on on media, and um, that's wonderful. Um, it's going to go a long way toward um, bringing folks from our community into the industry. But segueing into today, we have another yes. incredibly important use for audio description, and that is in our national parks. And um, since 2017, ACB is. I've been fortunate to partner with both Google and the University of Hawaii and the National Park Service to 
um, assist in providing description for park brochures. And if you don't mind, uh, may I just introduce our, our three um, members from the Park Service and the University of Hawaii. Um, Dr. Brett Oppegaard um, is the chief uh, principal investigator of the unit description project, which is um, responsible for working with the park service to provide, create and provide description for the parks among many other things. And um, Brett's here to talk about several aspects of the Uni Unity Project, Unity Project. Um, Michelle Hartley um, is with the Harpers Ferry Center with the National Park Service. And she has worked very closely with Brett long before uh, 2017. I think Unity officially began in 2014. And so Michelle will be um, be um, describing and um, explaining and educating us on many aspects of audio description. And Holly Griesemer um, works with the National Park Service. She is with, um, the, with the Conservation Assistance Program and Accessibility Program and Rivers Trails, I'm sorry, Rivers Trails and Conservation Assistance Program. She's also the coordinator for the Midwest Regional um, area, and we will hear more from Holly about uh, some really exciting possibilities at our convention this summer. So um, we have several topics. Anthony, um, do you want to launch uh, a couple of questions to these wonderful folks and we can get started? I do. So, um, Brett, if it's okay um, to, to use your first name. I would like you to give us a little bit of the history and you know why it was important and and what it's how it's evolved to where it is now. I think we are preparing for Descriptathon eight now. Am I right? Uh, up to Descriptathon nine. That's coming nine. next. We just finished Descriptathon eight. Yeah, in October we had another round. It was very exciting. We included um, uh, park. Uh, system from the United Kingdom, from Canada, and of course our wonderful partners at the U.S. National Park Service. Uh, primarily we worked with parks this time in the Midwest and in the Pacific region, um, and we have a uh, whole bunch of new audio description coming out ready for everyone to enjoy, and then they can, um, you know, spend more time in their national park, so that's exciting for us. So tell us, like I said, um, tell us a little bit about the history. How did Descriptathon come to be? And, um, you know, what were the first couple of iterations of it like? <laughs> okay, so in about um, 2014, I guess it was, let's see, maybe fall 2014, um, uh, Michelle Hartley uh, contacted me and we were talking about um, how to make national parks more accessible through audio description. And we really um, were sort of stuck with a couple big obstacles. Number one, um, how do you make audio description in an efficient way? Now, of course, people were being subcontracted and recording um, human voice audio description, but to do it at a scale of the National Park Service, which has 400 plus national parks, and then to keep all those updated, um, we felt like we, we wanted to have a system that was more um, 
adaptable to machine voice and screen readers and things like that. So um, one of our first obstacles was like, what are we gonna, how are we gonna build this? And then um, another obstacle was what's, what are the best practices for audio description? Um, as you and your listeners probably know, there's a lot of um, disagreements about what makes great audio description. Probably every listener has a different viewpoint on this, <clears throat> but we've, we've uh, really focused on how to uh, find empirical common ground on what's the most probable um, audio description to make people happy and how to do that well. And then finally, we needed um, some, some uh, parks to work with us. So we, uh, we partnered with, I think, three parks in the beginning, if I remember right, San Francisco, Hawaii Volcanoes, and Washington Monument. I could be wrong on that, but I think those were the first three. And basically we built the system and um, we built a system to make audio description, which was essentially a machine voice translation system where people typed in the text and, um, and the machine voice popped out what people typed in, which was a great start. But we also found that um, you know, national park folks and most people who aren't familiar with audio description, it's not like a, an innate um, behavior that everybody knows how to do the second they, they step out of uh, their house or something. So there was a lot of training that had to go into it. And uh, I guess one of the, one of the, if you think of like the seminal moment was for me anyway, was when um, Michelle Hartley mailed us a box of National Park Service brochures. There's about, I don't know, maybe 350 brochures in there. And the question was, how are we going to make these accessible to people? They're just print, um, print pieces of paper with pictures and maps and collages and charts and all these things on it that were completely silent. And we had to kind of work our way through that. So the first few years, we were just kind of getting our feet under us. And then uh, we joined up with American Council of the Blind and that made, that made all the difference really in how, how we operate. So. We're excited to uh, continue that partnership. And Michelle, welcome to Sunday Edition. You have a long history with audio description yourself. So can you tell us, you know, when you were putting that box together, did you imagine that it would have come as far as it's come to where we are today? Oh, hello, Anthony. And thanks so much for having us all here to talk about our project. Um, you know, uh, as we've evolved, um, uni description, which by the way, is a mouthful, I agree. We, we often refer to uni description as UniD for short, if that helps. Um, you know, through the course of UniD's evolution, um, the motto on the website, which Brett also um, has come up with, is to audio describe the world. And no, that was not what I... <laughs> thought about first it was just like here's you know we have a little bit of seed money we need to start an initiative to ensure that our print material is accessible um, let's just dive in and get going and um, I am just so thrilled um, that we are still here um, it, we did start this process in 2014 as Brett had said 
And, um, it, you know, we're still going. We're on our, as also as Brett had noted, um, we just finished Descriptus on 8. Also a mouthful. We, we say D9 for, or D8 for short. And we're, then we're going to be um, planning for D9 next year. So um, it, the other part of this that I could not have imagined, even though it was always our intention to partner with users, um, the incredible partnerships that we have, uh, people who are giving us feedback and consultation, um, some of whom are, are on the, the show with us today, it's just invaluable and um, we couldn't have done what we've done without ACB members um, and staff uh, to really ensure that as, as Brett is, you know, working down the list of many, many research questions um, that we're effectively communicating in our audio description. And as you said, we are going to be speaking with Pat Sheehan and Susan Glass and probably Dan Spoon a little bit later on from a participant and user perspective. But I want to introduce Holly as well. Um, Holly, can you tell the folks a little about yourself and maybe share um, an experience from, um, from your neck of the woods of someone actually using the service for the first time? Hi, thanks, Anthony. Happy to be here. Um, could I clarify um, someone using the Unity app for the first time? Yes, uh, yes, sorry. Okay, thank you. Um, so I'm Holly Griesmer. I work in the Midwest region of the National Park Service and the Accessibility Program. So we cover um, North Dakota down to Arkansas and then the Great Lakes area. Um, and so we work with all, um, there's over 60 parks in the Midwest region to help um, increase accessibility in our parks. Um, and so I guess, my experience um, having someone listen to the app for the first time, um, I have heard um, people talk about how it just enables them to be an active participant on their on their trip. Um, and instead of just listening to their friends and family and um, going along with them that they're able to uh, make suggestions and, and um, share what what's important to them um, as part of their experience. So I want to ask um, you folks, which whoever wants to step up first, how can um, how can we access the app and when did the app actually come into existence? Well, I can take that. Um, gosh, a good question. When did it? I, I think we put out the app uh, 2014, 2015. I'm trying to remember exactly when that happened. But um, to try this app out, you can go to your um, market. So if you're an iPhone, the App Store, and if you're an Android, you can go to the Google Play Store. Just type in the term Unidescription, U-N-I description, and you'll be able to download it. It's free to use. It'll always be free to use. Um, it's, this is a grant-funded project, so there's no orientation toward trying to uh, make a profit off it or anything like that. And we want people, you know, we spend a lot of time, each descriptathon is basically a week-long process of uh, more than 100 people getting together in a, in a very intense um, workshop and writing this great description. So we want as many people to listen to it as you can. It's also really good in the pandemic time uh, if you can't necessarily 
get around and travel to all these national parks. You can listen to them and make your travel plans for when you get it when you get to go around again. And um, one of the one of the most beautiful things I think of it is um, these descriptions basically paint the picture for what the park is like. It's history. It's um, imagery. It's maps. It helps create a context of understanding a park, and then you feel like you understand the place better and it might uh, entice you or interest you to get out there and get into the parks and that's a that's a big part of what we're um, moving toward in our kind of our next uh, phase of this project is um, recognizing that uh, social inclusion is an important aspect of audio description it's not just about the information it's about feeling included it's about feeling like you have agency to participate in the trip planning about agency to um, make choices when you get somewhere you're gonna you're gonna understand you know the boundaries of the park what's in the park what um, are the highlights of the park and you can um, you know choose what what you want to do and give feedback and it really helps people uh, be more active participants and and also to get outside and enjoy these national um, treasures. This is these are places that our entire country has come together and said, we want to preserve mm -hmm. these places. We want to we want to share the story of these places. We want everybody to have access to these places, and we want you to be there. And the, the, you know, the national park idea is one of the greatest ideas in American history, and it's really something that everybody should have a chance to a part of so um so we're kind of mixing all that with the accessibility of the mobile app which has been designed and tested uh, uh over and over again with people who are blind and people who have low vision to make sure the interface works perfectly for them and um we just want you to give it a shot so i'm gonna take a quick pause um i believe byron we are online are we um, true time, or did they start the show from the beginning? Nope, we are live, and uh, yep, it, it is at the current. So we're at now, now. Okay. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our, if any, all right. It's Jolyn. Yes. Hi. I I wanted to kind of follow. I I don't know where you're headed next uh, with your next question or anything, but I was just thinking about uh, Brett talking about you know, getting people into the parks to use these, uh, the, the brochure, use the Unity, Unity app to listen to the brochures ahead of time. And that got me thinking about D8, the last descriptathon and what went into it and kind of how the process that's used to help create the description for these brochures. And I think, Michelle, we are now up to, um, 140 or 150 out of the 400 by now, but this last round focused um, quite substantially on Midwest parks, and there were some great experiences pe that people had, but I was just thinking for our listeners, um, if you would, if you could yeah. detail along with Holly and then maybe Pat and Susan, what goes in, if you're participating in a description um, the actual, you know, learning to describe how park staff um, learn to describe and how our ACB and other, other folks who are joining Descriptathon as consultants or volunteers can, how does that process work? And I've heard so many wonderful stories about 
experiences people have had both on the park side, park staff side and our volunteer side that is really just a tremendous group effort. But that actual learning, how, how do you go about that? Michelle, Holly? This is Michelle, I'll, I'll jump in for, for a minute. Um, so, um, you know, as Brett was talking, um, we, when we started this project, we had some money to describe some brochures and even for the amount of funds we had um, to describe those brochures, we knew that we didn't, we couldn't do them all um, because we're a pretty small team. And that really wasn't the point anyways, right? Because, um, you know, we want to get other people involved in writing description um, so that they can continue to do that. Um, the brochures, the official park brochure that you get when you go to an entrance fee booth or you're at a visitor center is the brochure for the park as a whole. And it's that snapshot of what, what makes the place special and how to get around and what services and things to do are available. Um, so, but the park parks have other, um, print materials and they have other audio description projects happening. If they have a movie, they're often working with subcontractors or contractors to audio describe those movies, potentially exhibits, um, even outdoor experiences. So, um, you know, we, uh, we did a pilot with a few parks um, which grew into um, a descript our first descriptathon pilot of getting people together virtually, even pre-pandemic. Um, and we only work with park staff at that point. And then um, we decided, okay, this model is working. And um, Brett threw in a new spin in our second descriptathon after we did a little test of how a workshop could work with about eight parks. We, we jumped it up to over 20 parks. And we had this, um, this um, hackathon style friendly competition element to the workshop to motivate people. Um, some people really like a little, a little competition um, to get them going and keep them in the game and keep their attention. So basically um, we had uh, teams, um, uh, parks on teams writing descriptathon challenges of a portrait, of a landscape, of a map, of a highly decorative collage, we call them a designed collage of images um, that are oftentimes illustrations. Um, so, and we did have at that point some consultants. We weren't quite yet partnered with ACB, but we did have consultants and um, uh, one research member as well who um, was also blind. And we had some consultants who were, who were blind working with us. And, you know, it was kind of working. Um, so also during these descriptathons, we're, that's how we're teaching people through these exercises and we call them challenges. And we've just iterated and iterated that process. Um, what was really important to us during the workshop and because so many people are so busy is they're not only doing these exercises through these friendly competitions, they're also working on their brochures. Um, and they're writing the description so that they could leave this um, work environment with a finished or close to finished product. 
because um, that's really important too. We want to finish what we start with them and we want to use their time as best as we can. So I think we've um, trained in terms of getting people getting audio description training and exposure and hands-on experience um, with over 140 brochures now available on the app and that's going to bump up after everyone um, finishes D8, um, finishes their brochure, we're going to bump up to over 150. We've, we've trained um, you know, several hundred uh, uh, people and park staff in our system to um, write audio description and understand what is good audio description. And that's because um, well, how we've also evolved is by creating um, opportunities first to um, for our, our audio description writers to get feedback from users, from our stakeholders, from people who are blind or have low vision. And that started in the form of judges who would judge these competitions that we would have. You know, they judge everyone's portraits and pick winners and they move on to the next round in our competitive um, portion of the workshop. Um, and that eventually evolved into um, people um, who are blind or have low vision, not just judging and providing consultation and feedback, but also um, collaborating with the teams, being on the teams um, so that when we weren't in our large group, um, we would have our ACB judges co-writing, co-collaborating, um, and consulting to give um, the really critical feedback that the writers of the audio description need. And so our, we have two judges here, um, and Holly um, has also participated, not just as a planner of our descriptathons with us in the background, but she's also participated as an audio description writer on a team with Pat, and Pat's been with us for a number of years as as have Susan, as has Susan Glass um, as one of our judges too. And what a legacy to to be a part of, to to be able to say, you know, in your own, you know, bio that you keep in your head that you were part of of building this, you know, this wonderful program and part of making sure that the quality and what we what we all look for um, and what we all need and want. That, that you have a stake in that. So I'd like to introduce Pat and Susan to step up to the proverbial mics. And from, from that perspective, from the legacy perspective, and, and also from the teamwork perspective, because when JoLynn was asking the question, um, I was thinking to myself, man, she's stealing my thunder because what a team <laughs> effort this really is. Um, <laughs> no, no, don't be sorry, I love it. Um, but I just Susan. wanted to make sure it got in there because our volunteers <laughs> deserve such thanks. And it, they're Absolutely. so, I can't even name them all, but ACB has stepped up. Our members have just been tremendous in participating over and over and over. Susan, welcome back to Sunday Edition. Hey, welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. It's wonderful to be a part of this team. When I heard we were going to do this and there were so many of us, I thought, no need for nervousness. It's a party. It's, it's a nice <laughs> um, You know, one of the, the things I have been honored to be a part of audio description since 2014 and the Unity project. And what's really struck me is how much I have learned about description, 
each and every time I participate in uh, a training session. And one might think, well, you're, you're, you know, you're, you have low vision, you're blind, you must know what you want. Well, not really, we don't really think about it that, you know, until, well, what is it that you want in a description? What are you looking for? And each time yep. that we work with a new team of uh, parks colleagues, and each time that we are on a judging team and we're helping with them, I discover, oh, I didn't realize, I really, really do like that, that focus on color, or I really, really like it when someone describes that portrait in a way that I get a narrative about that life. I didn't know that about myself. And that's really, really cool um, that, that that happens, that everyone is learning. Um, the Unity site is populated with such amazing articles about what constitutes um, sound yes. collage description, sound photograph description or portrait description, sound map making description. And Brett and Michelle will often, um, in fact, almost always, I believe, as we're going through a particular activity in the seminars, they will uh, take some time. Well, these are what we consider best practices for describing maps. Let's talk about kinds of maps. We have wayfinding maps. We have water history maps. We have geological maps. And, and it, it opens our eyes to what we're even thinking about uh, in a map. And it means that we, as consumers of audio description, and people who are writing it have these resources to which we can return again and again. And I just, every time I come back, I'm amazed at how much those resources have grown and how much the tools for discerning and uncovering what constitute best practices um, have evolved in terms of questionnaires and gathering objective data. Uh, one of the most fun activities in, in our most recent descriptathons is that uh, Brett asks when we are assigned to a park team that we all uh, provide a self-description you know, of ourselves. And um, it's really interesting to see what people put in their own portrait and then write about and, and talk about. And it's a very nice bonding team building experience to, to do that. Uh, and one of the things that I discovered is that it's really hard for me to do self-description, like just about impossible. And, you know, so then why is that? And we get into those uh, discussions. I think the highlights recently for me have been working with teammates. Most recently, it was with the Lake Roosevelt Park team, where we're working on our brochure and we are reading aloud description. We are editing on screen together. We are shooting bits of email description back and forth for consultation. That is the really, really exciting part when, when we see the whole story of the park coming together. together. And, yeah. and you move from this shy, little bit self-conscious, hi, how are you? I'm, I'm glad to work with you to, hey, I, I just got your most recent <laughs> email. Here's, here's a comment on map two or three or whatever. And by the time you're done, you want to not only want to go visit, but you want to go out with these people and do something. And that, I think, just means so, so much. So from, from my consumer perspective, that's what I have gained. And just enormous gratitude for the Unity Project, for the park staff, for the people who willingly come again and again to try to make this happen. 
And Pat, that's the great thing about this project. You you meet park staff, you meet um, you know manage managerial people that you know take the time to make sure that these parks flourish and thrive you know and thrive for us. You get you get introduced to folks that you might never have the opportunity to meet, and it becomes by the end of that week, from what I'm told, and hopefully I will experience the next descriptive fun. But from what I'm told, you know you really form friendships like like um. Susan just said, you want to go out with these people, you want, you know, you want to share a meal, you want to hike through the park and then go grab a beer or whatever your, you know, your beverage of choice might be, a smoothie. Um, so I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that from your perspective and also maybe put a spin on it. Could you tell us maybe a time when working with some of these folks, you, you felt the light bulb go off where they emotionally, intellectually, they knew what they were doing, but they am then emotionally connected to what it was that you know you guys were really accomplishing sure i'd love to it's it's great to be here with all of these all-stars i mean everyone uh, in this group has just done fabulous work from from jolene who has helped organize and, and and get us going to uh to michelle brett and holly uh it's just a terrific team uh the products that we as susan said and others have said the product that we end up with is not only a good product, but it's a great product. I would encourage anybody uh, who's listening to download the unit description app, to take a look at the writing. The writing makes you want to uh, to, to join, uh, to, to go to these parks, to, uh, to get excited about going to the parks and, and exploring them and seeing what they have to work with. Uh, I was very happy this year to work with uh, Holly on Brown versus Education, uh, Board of Education. One of the things that I will point out is that you've got all different types of vistas with the national parks. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Yellowstone, Yellowstone, and you've got some of the beautiful parks, Yosemite, out there that have great vistas. And then you have other parks, uh, Brown versus Board of Education, which are more difficult subjects to look at, uh, but you're learning, you, you're, you're hitting areas that deal with uh, diversity inclusion issues. And so everything is really a learning experience. And so the parks have such great diversity that, that you can go to uh, national parks and just learn about history, learn about the environment. Uh, and so the, the education is just great. This year, when we were doing Brown versus Education, we we started working with uh, the Supreme Court building. I, and I've seen it before. I'm, in and around Washington, D.C., but I didn't know the um, the connection that it had with uh, you know ancient architecture, and it just so happened that one of our members on our team uh, had a degree in ancient Western civilization architecture, and so she was able to bring to the bear uh, you know a lot of terms and 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 descriptions that I was unaware of, a tremendous wow. learning. Uh, opportunity and I, I just felt that was just so wonderful and and so encouraging people to join this project I think is just great I think they you learn a lot you form teams where you are very close to the individuals who are involved in the park I am so proud of the team members that I have had to work with uh, I've done three of these now and I'm looking forward to the next one you, you do form that bond uh, you do develop teamwork. 
uh, last year I was working with a, another team and we started off kind of slow. We weren't quite sure what we were going to do as far as, uh, you know, get going forward, but we gave it our best shot. And then I remember when we got to the collage part, which is the most difficult piece, the members of the team just took off, started uh, describing what this collage was going to be, this desert scene. And uh, it was the, the work that was done was just fabulous. I just sort of stepped back and let my experts describe away. And they ended up taking first prize last year. And I was just nice. so proud of a team that, you know, was a little bit shy, a little bit uh, difficult getting started and then picked up the pace because the professionals that you have in the National Park Service who are doing the description, who are doing the writing, they are not just uh, good writers. They are great writers. They take a lot of pride in what they do. Uh, they are proud of their park. It shows in the work. It shows in the dedication. And, and what it gives us as a product uh, down the line is uh, the ability to go to the national park to enjoy the brochures just like everybody else and experience the park just like our sighted counterparts do. And, and for that, I've said this to Holly, I've said it to Michelle and Brett and Lynn. Thank you so much for, for doing this kind of work, for coordinating this kind of work so that we have an equal opportunity and chance to, to uh, enjoy the national parks just like everybody else. You can't beat it. I want to ask Holly, um, from, from a sighted perspective, when you've gone into museums and, and maybe like the Natural the Museum of Natural History and you've taken that headset, you've gone on the tour, you know, what, what quality, what level of difference do you feel from the description that's written through Descriptathon and for Unity versus something that's, that's uh, for lack of a way, what better way of putting it, kind of canned for an all-around user experience? I think the biggest difference is the teamwork that goes into this project and you our teams are um, arranged there's um, ideally two people from the park site, um, a volunteer, uh, uh, an ACB member or a, a blinded veterans association member as part of the team and in each of those perspectives that um, contribute to the writing is so valuable. And I don't think that effort is taken across the board on other projects to be inclusive in the project and, and to include the users, um, you know, and to do, um, to get that feedback. Um, I think that's invaluable. And, um, you know, you, you feel another layer of it because there's the whole quality control. There's looking at it and, and the debate that goes on amongst the teams, you know, hey, this is good, but we can make this better. We need a little bit more here or we need a little bit less of this and a little bit more of that. Um, Brett, do you want to speak a little bit about the, you know, the quality control process of it all? Yeah, I'd be happy to. This is a really important part, and it's um, basically how the descriptathon is built. As as has been said uh, here earlier, that we bring together people who are park staff members who know the actual, you know, specific park. We also bring together people who are in the park service, who maybe are helping out with that park, so they have kind of a little bit. Uh, broader, more global perspective. Then we bring people who are volunteers, completely detached from the park, outside the organizational culture, um, 
they're on the team. And then we have uh, members from ACB, Blinded Veterans Association, Royal National Institute of the Blind, whatever association happens to be working with that particular site. And the key is these are all co-equal members. This isn't a system that's set up where, um, you know, the, the description's written and then at the very end handed off to an ACB member and you say thumbs up, thumbs down. It's, it's from the very beginning, it's set up to create discussions uh, including at the start of every genre, for example, like with a portrait genre, we have a practice round where people who are blind or have low vision, they write a list of uh, what I would like in this portrait and people who are sighted will um, write in, in, individually write the descriptions and then they'll come together as a group and everybody will bring all these descriptions together of the same image and then the list together. And then they'll all just have a, a good talking about how, how these can be all melded together into the best description possible. And that's just the practice round. And then we do the um, challenge round, which we take that kind of experience of teamwork and putting it together. And then we put that into play in a friendly competition environment. And we do the same sort of genre. So they'll do another portrait description as a team. And then uh, the third step is now we're going to go back to our brochure, which has portraits on it. And we're going to take all this teamwork, all this practice, all this discussion about what we want, what we uh, are going to describe, and we'll put it into real life uh, practice and make this, this brochure more accessible. And so I think that's at the heart of what we do in this uh, descriptathon and how we um, how we envision the process playing out. It's not a it's not a um, like a quality control check only at the end. It's more of a co-creation. Let's make this all together. And through that kind of a, a mentality or philosophy, we end up with a much better um, final description. I think. Yeah. yeah. You know. Anthony, this is Pat. One of the things yeah. that I learned with uh, Holly when I was on that team, which I thought was just phenomenal, talk about quality control, was uh, going back and taking our product and then seeing how it, it read with the phonetics of the screen reader. Uh, Holly, remember we had the, uh, I think it was eye to eye or something like that that had hyphens in it. And all of a sudden it was E to E or something like that it made absolutely no sense and then we were able to uh, play around with it a little bit and figure out how could we make this read better with the phonetics dictionary with the screen reader. And those of us that play around with, you know, JAWS or voiceover or something, we know all about this stuff. But to get the park staff to uh, jump in at that level to make yeah. sure that what was being read for the blind person with the phonetics of the screen reader. It's like, are you kidding me? That's, that's great stuff. So kudos, Holly, to, to, to our team and you guys for jumping in and, and playing around with that stuff. I, I had no idea what was going wrong, but they were able to really go in and track it down so that, as I said earlier, the finished product was something that everyone could be proud of. And I think that's what it comes down to at the end. You know, um, 
I wanted to bring Joe Lynn back up. Um, Dr. Oppegaard, it was very kind to send us some audio files so that we could have this next part of the discussion. And quite honestly, one of the things that was very attractive for me about doing the show this week is I was very much overbooked with things that I was committed to. So I knew Joe Lynn would give me all the information I needed and that if I, at the last moment, prompted her to co-host, that she would fill in some gaps that I might not be able to. So Joe Lynn, I'd like you to take over for a little while and talk about the, the sound files and the, the technicality of it all with um, these fine folks. Okay, I, I will do my best here. Um, Brett, I think if I'm correct, the sound files are um, those for the Andy Goldsworthy uh, installation up at the Presidio, is that correct, for Woodline? Right, the same. Um, so this is a field test that we're working on. I'll, I'll just jump in here a little bit. Yeah, that's helpful, uh, Okay, sure. Um, so basically, if you look at the academic literature of audio description and you look at the practical um, discourse on it and, and just what people have written about it, what people think about audio description, they generally um, consider it kind of a utilitarian, uh, give me the facts uh, type of endeavor. And <clears throat> there's, there's been a little bit of push in the, um, at least in the academic community like, uh, to say, well, is that all audio description can do? Or can it do more? Can it be more than, more than just a very um, A to A, B to B type transformation of, of uh, visual to audio? And so the National Endowment for the Arts um, uh, funded a research project we decided to do on this, just as sort of a question. Uh, the academic community calls it uh, outdoor um, description. I don't know if that's gonna be the label that'll fit and, and stick, but I'll just to give you an example, it's more of an aesthetic approach to it. And so, and so what we found in our project, um, I mean, number one, there's a lot of, uh, it's a long story really on why we use the machine voice that we use to express the um, description we have. It's an open source machine voice, so we want to make sure there's never a cost to any of the users. That's why we don't um, hook it into other voices that, are, that have uh, proprietary type restrictions. So we have this open source voice. Uh, about 25% of our users use this voice through MP3s. About 75% of our users use screen readers and listen to um, listen to our descriptions with their own uh, system, with their own voices that they like. So at some point, this is, is a little bit out of our control in the sense like what's the end experience if you're using a screen reader and you're listening to it at five times normal speed or 10 times or 15 times or whatever, and you have, a, you have your own voice, you're gonna, you're gonna hear something different than, um, than the machine voice that we provide as a baseline or any other type of voice. And so what we wanted to do with this project was to um, establish in, through empirical research, you know, what the difference of the voice makes. And I think it's, it's sort of self-evident with people who listen to it. Yes, the voice definitely makes a difference and the speed makes a difference. It's, it's obvious that that's true, but there's not, there's not really any kind of empirical um, analysis that's been done, at least in an audio description con con context that has established the value of those voices and there's also quite a bit of 
difference of opinion, like what kind of voice people like. Um, but what we wanted to do with this, and I think uh, what we have queued up here, we have uh, the original, and I'll, I'll, I'll call it a utilitarian version of a description that was made in uh, the Golden Gate National Recreation Area in a public art walk uh, based around the art of Andy Goldsworthy. These are, um, these are very fascinating, uh, large scale sculptural pieces that are created um, out of the environment. And what, um, what the original, these first three that we'll play, I'm just playing about 30 seconds of them. If you wanna hear the whole uh, set of descriptions, you can go into the mobile app and listen to the whole thing. But the first one is our open source machine voice. The second one, um, we have the ability to also express the description in the Alexa voice um, for, for test purposes. Um, and then we also asked one of our um, sound artists to record a human voice version of the same text. So if we could maybe play those three, that might mm -hmm. give a good kickoff to the discussion. Uh, Britt, could I jump in here for just a second, um, just, sure. just to give a tiny bit more background information. Um, Susan Glass um, was able to test those files on site up at the Presidio, part of the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, um, in early fall. And I was with her and Ernest, Ernst Carroll, the sound engineer, was there as well. So if there's time following, um, perhaps Susan could give a little feedback. But it was it was experiencing that in the out of doors that that I think gave you know additional meaning to the whole experience. It wasn't a dry you know dry review so to speak. Susan was actually out in the environment. So. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and play the machine uh, voice first. Pictured is a rectangular colored landscape photograph of Andy Goldsworth's spire. On the top of the image is a hint of the rising sun splattering reds and oranges across the plant in the blue sky. Just right of center in the image is Spire. Spire is a sculpture constructed using tree trunks and forms a 100-foot-tall, sharply pointed cone structure. The very top of Spire ends with a single tree trunk reaching towards the sky. Its enormity looms over the much shorter trees and surrounding forest below. All right, and this next one is uh, Lady A. Pictured is a rectangular colored landscape photograph of Andy Goldsworthy's spire. On the top of the image is a hint of a rising sun, splattering reds and oranges across the clouds in the blue sky. Just right of center in the image is spire. Spire is a sculpture constructed using tree trunks and forms a 100-foot tall, sharply pointed cone structure. The very top of spire ends with a single tree trunk reaching towards the sky. Its enormity looms over the much shorter trees and surrounding forest below. And this last one is a human voice. Pictured is a rectangular colored landscape photograph of Andy Goldsworthy's Spire. On the top of the image is a hint of a rising sun, splattering reds and oranges across the clouds in a blue sky. Just right of the center in the image is Spire. Spire is a sculpture constructed using tree trunks and forms a 100-foot-tall, sharply-pointed cone structure. The very top of Spire ends with a single tree trunk reaching towards the sky. Its enormity looms over the much shorter trees and surrounding forest below. I, I have to jump in here. I actually misspoke. The Susan reviewed Woodline, and this was a different sculpture that, that Mr. Goldsworthy did. It's okay. 
Yeah, so what you can hear there is um, the first one is the open source voice, the second one is the Alexa voice, the third one is a human voice. And you can start to get a sense of what we're talking about with the aesthetics of audio description that um, I think it's pretty clear that that makes a dif difference in how those sound and a difference in the um, maybe level of engagement enjoyment you can have with uh, audio description. And um, and, and then what we did with that, we took that version, this beautiful writing, it's wonderful description. Um, and then we hired some sound artists, uh, some prominent national sound artists to say, okay, so if you're going, if, if you have this um, brochure, this is again, a, a based on a brochure. If you have this brochure and you're going to make audio description, your primary person you're thinking about when you make this audio description it's not like a audio tour where, you're, where your primary audience is uh, people who are sighted and you're saying like, look in the upper corner or look down at the ground or something like that. This is uh, your primary audience, people who are blind or people who have low vision. And this is uh, within the context of the way audio description works where you're trying to convert the visual media in the brochure into audible media. Um, but you know, how would an artist do that? And so then we, um, if you want to play the third one, you can hear what we did with this um, National Endowment for the Arts project. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead. Or the fourth and... one, I should say. Yeah. Fourth one, yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Woodline is just one part of the work Goldsworthy made here at the Presidio. He visited repeatedly over a period of nearly 10 years. During that time, he observed the place, talked with its caretakers, and imagined how his work could interact in meaningful ways with the landscapes here. In the end, he created four unique works at different sites around the park between 2006 and 2014. Together, they represent a journey of understanding the Presidio's environment, with a special focus on the life of the forests here. Wow. Let's go on a quick journey in the imagination to visit them all. First came Spire in 2008, installed on the hill across from Inspiration Point. Completed in 2008, Spire looks just like its name. It's a tall spire made from 37 Monterey Cypress tree trunks, carefully fastened together and twisting up and up almost 100 feet in the air and 15 feet in diameter at the base. That sounds big, but how can we get the full sense of the scale of Spire? Okay, let's try something. Lift your arms over your head. Reach as high as you can. Feel the air on your fingers. Now, take a deep breath. Close your eyes. Imagine the trees stretching up together just like your body, but 15 times higher than your fingertips. At the very top, these are the fingertips of the trees. They're feeling the wind. Imagine that space above us, that huge openness. Now, reach up with your listening, up into the air. Use your mind's ear. You did it! What's it like up there? 
I know we're just listening in the imagination, but still, that's pretty cool. And one thing you guys didn't get to hear on Zoom that we heard on ACB Media was that there was a stereo effect, like a binaural audio effect. And, and it yes. was really cool if you had headphones on. Oh, yeah, nice. if, 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 if I could jump in, because I, I, I did this while we were out um, at Woodline with different, with, no, I did this part because there's a picture of me doing what she says and reaching up into the air. And um, I have hearing aids that are Bluetooth to my phone. So I was getting this complete stereo effect with, um, without any earbuds annoying me. And I was, there's also a whole soundtrack that you're not hearing of the water, the birds, the wind. There's a lot of stuff in the background there that the audience, the artists have supplied. And you're hearing that while you're standing there under these big trees that are dripping with the fog. And it is the most alive art experience that I have ever had. Now, the controversy, of course, is going to be, well, is this audio description? Because the audio description doctrine, well, not maybe not doctrine, but convention until now has been say what you see, keep it objective, so on. But I have to tell you, when you have an experience like this, with your own body and you're hearing all those sounds, you're hearing the birds, you're hearing the voice, you're doing the stretching activity, you're participating kinesthetically, it transforms that experience from a talking head feeling into something that you are organically doing. And yeah. for me, that was a hit. That really, really, and I, I was just thrilled with that because so often I will go to a museum and there's, there's something to listen to about a painting, but I'm hearing a voice, but around me is just the smell of the museum and the tile floors and the people and the echo and the, you know, I'm still where I am. It's not the same thing. This is an opportunity, not just to translate sight, but to create something new. And I think it's a pretty exciting, it's a pretty exciting opportunity. And since Lynn, I remember after you listened to, um, the extended description, we then um, took your hand and guided you up so that you could actually walk along Woodline, which is That's really a, a meandering sculpture using lengths of trees so that they're cut short enough so there's actually kind of a sinuous track and it starts at an elevation and gradually descends. So it's a real, almost like a snake or a meandering river. But you had an entirely different experience with that when you hopped up what a mere six inches but you were yeah well, I was I was log walking and and I said okay you got to hold on to me in case my balance is not good <laughs> we had a great time with that didn't we yeah it was fun but it but it even it was the whole experience was amplified with that that additional kinesthetic experience to go along with the auditory one if yeah. if you're listening on zoom uh that that cool sort of a nature soundtrack that you were talking about in the background it you know it got filtered out because zoom likes to filter out background noise uh but if you listened on acb media or if you're listening on the podcast you will hear that really cool uh sort of stereo field and i would encourage you if you're listening on zoom to go back and find the podcast of this episode and fast forward to this point in the file um, because it sounds, I mean, it's worth it. It sounds so cool. I encourage folks to go to uni D and, and find the whole track and experience the whole thing. Absolutely. I've, I've, I have gone back to the park many times doing just that Anthony, because I love that soundtrack so much. 
I just load my head up with the birds and the fog and the wind and, and, and the kids yelling and you can hear them yeah. moving behind you, around you. It's so cool. I couldn't have asked for a more perfect segue. You know, for the purists out there, I'm just going to say this, you know, if you need, you can call it um, audio immersion using audio description or something cute like that if you need to make a distinction. But um, ACB is also on a three-year track with another great and amazing campaign, the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. And part of that um, really, really can be focused on our UniD. Um, our description, uh, descriptathon, and and the fruits of all of those labors. I know, um, Jolene, you brought us some information about how we can experience and marry, you know, the three things that that we are really, really been focusing on the last few weeks with, you know, within ACB, and that would be audio description awareness and getting up and getting moving, getting out into the world again, and our national parks. So. Jolene, what's the, what's the way to do that? Well, um, we are incorporating um, that go take a walk in the park, get up and get moving um, into that three-year initiative, which is chaired by Tom Tobin. And um, as part of that, we would love for everyone to pick a park, find the closest national park to you, get out, get in it, do something, experience it. But we have a really special opportunity coming up next summer at the convention in Omaha, where Holly Griesemer will be um, helping everyone to um, obtain their national park passes. And Holly, I'm going to throw this to you um, because you have been working with uh, Janet Dickelman, our tour coordinator, but also with, with all of us to become part of It'll be our second year of the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. So can I ask you to, um, to detail a little bit more about the park passes and how folks can go about obtaining those? Sure, I'm so excited. Uh, the convention is gonna be in Omaha this year. Um, this is where I live and um, we have uh, the Lewis and Clark National Historic Trail is in Omaha, Nebraska, their visitor center, as well as my office, the Midwest Regional Office. And um, so uh, while you're here in Omaha, we welcome you to come visit um, the the Lewis and Clark National Trail and learn about that history. Um, we have some really great exhibits in the visitor center, um, including touch tables. And then there's a really great uh, suspended bridge right in kind of in our backyard. And it, it, um, it crosses the Missouri River. And so next door is Iowa. So on on this bridge, you could have uh, one foot in, in each state. So um, welcome you to get up and get moving and come check us out and while you're there you can pick up an access pass um, which is free of charge and um, also our Lewis and Clark Visitor Center they're going to have a booth at the convention too and so we hope you could um, pick up your pass either way either at the convention or coming to visit. That's wonderful. Thank you. And um as part of convention too, um, just wanted to mention this is a little bit unrelated, but uh, Brett, you had um, proposed a wonderful idea of having a booth where folks could have their photo taken and then receive a self description or an audio description of their portrait. Um, and 
Could you give us a few more details on that? Um, I know that wow. we're definitely interested in that and wanting to move forward with it, but it's a great way to, um, to self-describe or have someone else describe you. Yeah, absolutely. Susan mentioned earlier what, um, uh, I don't know, a reflective experience we maybe call it, uh, doing a description of yourself is. And we've, um, we've been spending this, uh, most of this past year researching a portrait description or how people are described and, and essentially you have a description of yourself or a description of someone else that you're doing and the self description. Um, I don't know, it's just, it's one of those complicated territories of understanding where like, how, how do you how do you understand yourself? How do you present yourself? How do you create your social identity? And then how do you label other people's social identity if you're describing somebody else? And this raises lots of um, complicated questions about gender, about race, ethnicity, mm. about age, about size and shape of bodies. It raises just a lot of really interesting questions. And what I found, um, that I think would be helpful um, for the, at least for the ACP community is to spend more time exploring that by having people sit for portraits and then having them describe themselves as a part of that experience. And I thought that would be a fun way to, um, to do a workshop at the conference. You know, there are so many great uses for a project like that, you know, just from a, the barest of essentials, you know, we have signature lines on our emails. Imagine being able to put a self-portrait with a self-description, mm. you know, to add to your pronoun, you know, your preferred pronouns, et cetera, all the way to, you know, maybe redacting names from the actual portraits, but doing focus groups from both sighted and uh, blind and low vision community and seeing, you know, which descriptions really took off, which ones really resonated with folks versus which ones might not have and why and that might give us a more um but i i'm known to get to digress so i would plug it right there um i'd like to throw out a challenge to sunday edition listeners we all know that i throw them out periodically um go to the uni uh the unity app and pick a park and go through the tour in your closest local park or your high school track I personally like to take my guide dog to the high school track and, and, and get some good walking in there and try to immerse yourself and then right into Sunday edition. And if you'd like to share your story, I will have you on an upcoming Sunday edition. Oh, but that's a great way to get up and wow. get moving. Thank you for launching that. That truly is a way to to just visit your local park, you know. Absolutely, but you can turn you can turn your local park into Yellowstone or uh, the volcanoes of Hawaii. <laughs> or even if, even if you're in the middle of a snowstorm and you're on your uh, treadmill, you could, you could be somewhere very warm and, and beautiful. You know, the nice thing about the uh, the app is also that you can go into your state and you can search by state and see what's what what is active in your state. Wouldn't it be great to be able to go in and and work and, and see what else we could, you know put together for our states so that states would have more areas that are described, that would be great. But I love the, the connection between that and the get up and get moving campaign mm -hmm. because it's great to get outside, be in the environment, get away from the computer and the email and all of that stuff and just get out there and exercise, you know. Anthony, you know, I, 
there is someone who has been with us for about a half hour now. Um, um, Dan Spoon is here. I'm wondering if he has. Oh my God, yes, I did not hear him come in. President Spoon, welcome back to Sunday edition, two weeks in a row. I am honored. <laughs> Hello, Anthony. How are you? It's good. Wonderful conversation. I'm enjoying listening to everybody. Really good stories. Yeah. <laughs> And Dan, so. you've, you've um, really been involved with the Descriptathon. From your perspective, what has that brought to our community members? And then I'm going to ask the folks about Descriptathon 9 and folks who might want to join and be involved. But Dan, from from presidential perspective, what does it do for our community? Well, I think it's been very interesting. And I, I like to say with things in the American Council of the Blind, most things are not a revolution, but an evolution. And I really believe that's the case with our relationship with Google, uh, with the National Park Service, with the University of Hawaii, and all of our wonderful ACB members who volunteered and got involved. It, uh, as Michelle kind of and, and Brett kind of wrapped it up through, through the uh, afternoon today, it, it's interesting to see how it truly has evolved. Uh, it, we started out, of course, American Council of Blind wasn't involved directly in the first couple of descriptathons. And then we rolled into to really taking an active role. And that has grown so much here over the last few years. I'm trying to think in, in 2017, when we did a descriptathon, I was actually down in Key West and was able to participate, you know, just on my phone because it was just a free conference call. It was before Zoom. Remember, can you remember the days before we spent all our time on Zoom? Uh, it, and, uh, and just did judging. And it was, I think that was maybe the first year uh, where the ACB members really got involved and provided uh, constructive feedback as judges. And so one, it was really interesting on how to judge this. And we learned very quickly that, of course, as we all know, we're not a monolithic group. So some people wanted more details, some people wanted less, some wanted a big description, a column, not so much. And so it was interesting, uh, I think, for Michelle and Brett and, and the rangers, uh, the park rangers, to really hear the different voices and realize there wasn't a one right answer and one wrong answer and yeah. and that it is more artistic and then from that the, the next descriptathon i think i actually got to be in hawaii in honolulu in uh, in brett's conference room when they were conducting the descriptathon and that was uh, it was pretty exciting to see it from that point of view and, and all the scrambling they were doing to pull all the information together and get the results and the emails were flying back and forth. And now, you know, now it's really developed into our ACB members are active partners in, in providing input and quality control as the descriptions being developed. And I, I Michelle and, and Holly and team are, are, you know, they're, they're pretty humble folks, but if you realize when this week or now a couple of week process starts, these these park rangers have been are being introduced in many cases to audio description for the first time. So think of it almost as a speed type reading learning course and that they're going from no, no or very little understanding to to complete immersion and then ending up at the end of the descriptathon with a finished product that can be published and made available to the public. So it, what it's also done, I think, is taught 
a lot, and I'd love to hear Michelle and Holly's thoughts, but I think what it's done is introduced blind and low vision people to a lot of park rangers who now have a different understanding uh, of our community, what we're capable of, and and what kind where our interests lie. And, and I think just breaking down those uh, cultural barriers has been a, a really huge accomplishment as and uh, as Susan and Pat said, I mean, developing those friendships where now people are emailing each other after the fact and making plans to go to parks to meet these folks. And, and so it's been, I think, a wonderful collaboration from that standpoint. So it's, 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 it's really been exciting to see where this has come and it, and it just continues to grow, so. We're gonna take, oh, go ahead, Joan. Oh, shall we wait till after the break? No, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to ask uh, Dan, or, or, or we can ask Holly. Um, we we recently um, established a new relationship with a, a grant agreement with the Park Service to to work on Midwest parks in in a slightly different way. But part of that is to host a workshop, isn't isn't there, Dan, on uh, possible employment in the parks, and that's something when when we come back, maybe Holly could could speak to as well. So she'll be heading heading up that portion of the, well, the uh, grant. Put your thinking cap on before I, before we go to great for a break, I would like to remind folks that they can find the link to Sunday edition on the Facebook community page, as well as various email lists. If you have questions or comments, we will be taking them shortly. Brett, before we go to our break, if folks would like to participate in the next Descriptathon, where should they reach out to? Yeah, we would love to have um, anybody who wants to participate. We'll find a spot for you. We'll find a, a role where you can contribute. And I think the easiest way to do it is probably just email me at my name is b-r-e-t-t -T dot o-p-p-e-g-a-a-r-d at y dot edu. So just my name and my email at y dot edu. All right, folks, we will be right back. It's the holiday season and time to start looking for those perfect gifts for family, friends, and maybe even yourself. ACB's got you covered again this year at our 10th annual ACB Media Holiday Auction. Come spend Sunday evening, November 28th with us as we auction off jewelry, technology, unique homemade items, beautiful quilts, and of course those ever-popular yummy food items. All proceeds benefit ACB Media. If you just can't wait until auction night, you can bid on items featured in our Sneak a Peek Appetizer Auction, November 26th and 27th. Be sure to register at members.acb.org under the auction registration link. For additional questions, you can email Leslie Spoon at lesliespoon at cfl.rr.com. So make plans now, mark your calendars, and get your wallets ready to support ACB Media through lots of fundraising and fundraising at the ACB Media Holiday Auction. Well, you are listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. We are talking all things audio description through our national parks and monuments and some exciting new projects as well. That you just heard was about our holiday auction and our first lady, Leslie Spoon, has been working hard for weeks, if not months on it. Dan, are you a little frazzled yet with what's coming up? 
Oh no, we are we are psyched and ready to go, Anthony. We've got I think a hundred. What did I hear at last count? A hundred and. 33 items between the sneak a peek appetizer auction and the main event on Sunday night. So it should just be a whole lot of fun. And uh, the descriptions are now available out on acb.org. So please go and uh, look please and find your favorite out. items. I think there's, uh, you know, some bourbon balls out there and there's many other items. Bourbon balls. <laughs> and I expect you to bidding up on them a little bit. <laughs> I need to break the record. <laughs> but I'm going to throw this back to Holly to tell us a little bit about um, building a coalition for possible employment in the national parks. Holly. Thank you. Yeah, so we're really excited about this partnership between the National Park Service and ACB. Um, it, it kind of started off of, um, and I want to kind of build on what Dan was saying about um, the training as part of the descriptathon. I think that's so invaluable what the staff learn in, in working with people who are blind in the process. Um, we uh, we've been very good about recently doing self-evaluation and transition plans which follows the aba standards and identifying those physical barriers to accessibility and going through that process it's the same as the descriptathon the one of the huge benefits is the training and the, the education and awareness that staff receive um, through the process and so doing the descriptathon and looking at um, accessibility barriers in the parks really um, uplifts the programmatic side of, um, of reducing barriers. Um, so we're ecstatic about that agreement. And one of the components is also working together to do an employment workshop um, to kind of go over our hiring process and and talk about USA jobs where our jobs are posted and about all the different disciplines in the National Park Service and as well as hiring authorities and um, and how you could apply those. Awesome. Um, Jolene, did you want to ask any questions before I start opening it up to our listeners? I I think everyone has just given some great information. I don't have any specific questions right now, Anthony. All right, awesome. Byron. Anthony, I've got one more shot, shout out if it would be okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to give a special shout out to Deb Cook-Lewis, who's, who's really um, been an inter integral, if not behind the scenes part of uh, our descriptathons and our work with American Council of Blind. Uh, Deb, uh, the last several years, uh, has done an evaluation of the Unity website and the app and really helped to make sure that uh, all the content is WCAG uh, compliant to the latest standard and really helped, uh, you know, the team with Brett and Joe and everybody uh, really make sure that we have a totally uh, accessible both website and application. And then in addition to that, when we went to the Zoom platform, uh, just ACB in general, but especially Deb had stepped up and we uh, now can host the, the descriptathons on Zoom. And, uh, you know, Deb is kind of the, the, the wonderful person behind the scenes that makes sure all that is coordinated and flows well wow. and is hosted and, and really uh, easily accessible to, to everybody. So 
I just want to give a special shout out to Deb for all of her hard work uh, helping as a volunteer with the American Council of Blind, but really helping the Descriptathon. Thank you, Dan, can you imagine what yeah. the uh, free conference call would have been like with 125 exactly. people? I, I can't even imagine, you know, the whole break. I mean, all the, you know, the, the, the understanding, the functionality and really being able to apply it to get the oh, most value absolutely. out of the Descriptathon. Yeah. You know, Dan, bringing up um, Deb and others, I think it's time to develop an ACB, uh, BBA and honor roll and make sure that we keep it up to date and post it because so many folks have given of their time and, and talent. That's true. And you know, we do absolutely need to highlight that this is all volunteer based um, and people, people make a very, very strong commitment. It's some um, six days in um, descriptive funds or six days long. Five days, six days, uh, but they're, you know, well, there are three, yeah, they're three. It's, it's a three day full day type commitment and then there's about 10 hours of prep before that and and it's also scalable in the sense of how much interest you have and there are a lot of extra goodies that people can do and they can um you know participate even more than that if they like and, and a lot of people do i mean people don't people don't join the descriptathon because they're on the clock and they're trying to like check something off the checklist it's they join it because they love accessibility. They love national parks. They want to make parks more accessible, and they um, jump in and and it just the the effort is amazing. And I should mention on our website, which is unidescription.org, uni description.org, and uh, there's a list of all the ACB volunteers on there. Um, I'll be adding the Descriptathoni uh, volunteers. Uh, soon, but um, awesome. you know, just hundreds and hundreds of people have participated in this. It's, as you can tell, even from this particular show, there's a whole bunch of people on here. We're all pulling the same rope, and that's what makes it special. It takes a village, folks. All right, Byron, let's go to some of those hands. All right, uh, I do see Jane with her hand up. So, Jane, go ahead and ask your question. Two things, will you please restate the app that people can track the parks through? And will you please identify a couple of books that really address accessibility in the national parks? I've read some, but I want what's relevant and current. As a retired teacher of young children, and I am totally blind. And I come from a family where physical education was huge. Everything, well, everything from soup to nuts. Anyway, I am an absolute believer that learning comes more than in one way or even two. And to hear the, the remarkable conversations and descriptions made me jump up and down today my biggest national park explore was Big Bend National Park. It's phenomenally huge and compelling in its environments and the way it convinces you by itself that it is huge. So I really appreciated today's conversations and y'all keep on. And yes, I'll volunteer to do to help with wonderful. audio description. That's all. Oh, this is wonderful. Thank you, Jane. 
Um, and the website is unidescription.org, so U-N-I description.org, and there's a tab there that has a library of audio description resources. I'll let Michelle Hartley fill in the National Park Service best resources, but if you're looking for audio description resources, they're there. There's also an academy where you can learn about it, uh, all the different um, parks that have, have participated in this project are on the website, mm -hmm. and then that's also on the mobile app. So um, again, it's just UNI description, unit description, mm -hmm. and you can find that and, and listen to um, around great. 150 different sites at this point. That's great. Yeah, so thanks, Jane, for your question. Um, I think there are a couple of ways you could go about learning about parks and the accessibility services within those parks. Um, certainly, if you go to the UNED app, you can get a flavor for parks um, through the audio description. And the UNED app, when you download it, um, you can search by state. So you're, if you're interested in parks, um, in a particular state that are close by, um, you could see what parks already have a UNED audio described brochure, which will give you a flavor for that park if you want to go there. Um, in addition to that, or um, another way to look into accessibility in our parks is by going to the National Park Service website, which is www.nps.gov. Um, each park has a plan your visit um, link, and under that link is an accessibility page that tells you um, about, a little bit more about accessibility at that park. Um, you could also call individual parks, of course, because sometimes they're not always, um, sometimes they get a little behind and they don't always post um, what has immediately become available um, in terms of audio description at their parks, et cetera. The National Park Service also has an accessibility, uh, on their main page, there's an accessibility section, um, and that is www.nps. Gov forward slash about us slash accessibility. And on that page, it provides um, more general information about accessibility across national parks um, and um, also some, um, you know, uh, topic specific issues such as, um, you know, service animals and parks and um, um, that kind of information. So those are a couple of resources that you could tap into. All righty, Jane. Great Thanks. question. Thank you for that. Byron, who's up next? I do not see any other hands. Let's get those hands raised. We got lots of people in here. I'm sure you all have some questions. <laughs> well, then I will throw in another question. I love an underdog story. So M Michelle or Pat or Susan, um, do you guys want to tell us about maybe something that we thought looking at it like, oh, how are we going to translate this and, um, you know, blew it out of the park? Pun intended. <laughs> well, I can I can uh, address like what are our biggest when we, we look at the genres of audio description we say what are the most complicated. Everything's complicated, but uh, the most complicated I think are the ones that are nonlinear, like a map. Like if you think of a photograph, for example, 
a photograph, the photographer usually um, composes the photograph in a way that it has a certain focus to it, that the, the person, um, you know, looking at the photograph is going to know this is the most important thing or the second most important thing. There's going to be some kind of hierarchy to it, like a linear hierarchy. In a map or a collage, there is no hierarchy. This is just a massive, imagine like a, a, a map the size of Yellowstone that has like basically all the roads and uh, places on a, an area of the country as large as a state. And you're supposed to turn that into an audio version that's usable, not just, um, again, we don't, we don't care about so much the, um, like checking the boxes. We want to have something that people are going to actually use. So that, and, and this sort of gets back to, to what we were talking about earlier when we started to work with ACB and get feedback from ACB. We realized that um, it's not just about the words. It's not just about the sentence. It's not just about the paragraphs. It's also about the organization. It's also about the labeling. It's also about the um, interface. You know, there's a whole bunch of um, components to having a successful piece of audio description. So you just if you imagine, I guess, uh, a Yellowstone map or a collage that has uh, flora and fauna and geology and all these different things in, in an illustration that's the size of um, a large piece of paper or a large poster, I guess it would be. It's incredibly difficult to figure out how to put that together and make it work, but but we do it and then I'll just leave it at that. I agree with you, yeah. Brett. Yeah, I maps, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Better. Maps were very hard Absolutely. for me to work with. Uh, and I think, you know, you guys did great with the with the with the describers and the judges that we worked with, the new ones that came on board, uh, the ones who had been there for a few years. You, you, you talk about the map and you say, okay, what is the point of the map? So you're starting everybody back at square one. Why is this map here? Uh, what is it important? What's important about this map? What should I know, uh, you know, when I'm looking at this? What's the big picture? And then how do I describe it down into the, into the various sections? And what should I learn from this map? It's very easy to go into a map and get uh, the roads going this way and that way and this way and that way. And I'm totally lost after like the fifth road mostly because I don't know why I'm looking at all these things. So it's, it's trying to figure that out. Having worked, you know, working this year with, with Holly on her team, we were able to come up with some, some good ideas as far as, as uh, you know, how to describe a map, uh, what was it there for, and what was the relationship of some of the areas one to another, sort of big picture and working with it. So um, those are some of the things that first, when you get involved in this and you start looking at this, it's a little bit overwhelming. By the time you get to day three on this and you're really working with the collages, uh, you realize that you gained a lot of information from day one to day three. The other thing that's important about this whole experience is that these techniques that we're looking at, whether they're maps, artifacts, uh, portraits, um, not so much as collages, but all of that translates into better description, not only for the National Park Service, but for everything else we're doing. So looking at the website and just studying to see what's there is something that's good, not just for the National Park Service, but really 
for everything that we're doing as far as uh, audio description. Susan, you did a great job with uh, describing all of this and your feeling and experiences and how it made you feel. And, and if we can get those same uh, thoughts and uh, experiences and level of writing uh, into everything else that we're looking at, will not only make a difference with the, with the national parks, but all throughout, uh, you know, the uh, commercial area and also the federal government. I yeah. work at Department of Veterans Affairs and use this website all the time as an example of, you wanna do it right? Take a look at this. And it's so good because it's right there and people look at it and they're blown away. Everyone learns from it. So, you know, you're able to take this from point A and move it to point B. So thank you, National Park Service, for what you do and how you do it. Great work. Um, this is Susan. It can even happen, Pat, you're so right, on, on all levels, a local level. There's a, a place south of us called the Watsonville Nature Center, and they wanted to put some Braille signage in their description and maps. But one of the things they did was to go um, look at the Unity website, and, and they, they thought about some of those things when they put it together. So, you know, this is possible to take into our home communities. Um, the tools mm. are there to make them accessible as well. Uh, it, it could, it, it doesn't even have, it could be little tiny parks as well as state parks. So it's, it's just a whole, a whole world opening. That's a great point. Um, have you, Brett, have you experienced other organizations wanting information to, you know, model what you're doing for their own um, you know, outputs? Yeah, we work with the U.S. National Park Service. Like I said earlier, we've also worked with other organizations like Parks Canada, Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, this latest descriptathon, we work with the Kennedy Center. Um, we've worked with um, this variety of other people. And then the great part about this, again, it's a university research project. It's grant funded. We do everything we make, we give away, we put on the website. And we get thousands of uh, hits to that website every month. I don't track like, you know, how is this playing out? But I suspect it's lots of people going there, finding uh, the resources that we've curated and that we've curated for years. Basically, when, when we started this project, uh, I did a thorough literature review. It took me more than a year and we found the best material that's out there and then we've kept it up. Um, for the past, you know, seven, eight years and just get on, we try to get on there everything that's in the world right now that people are using and finding very valuable that has some empirical basis, you know, national standards from around the world, uh, best practices in industry, just all the different documents that are out there. And then we, we give those to people in an easy to use place. Um, and I think they're finding it valuable and we get a lot of stories, you know, kind of anecdotally um, of, of different small parks, uh, different places, uh, you know, could, couldn't necessarily be a park. It could be a museum. It could be any, anywhere people go in public, um, that there's an expectation of equality and an expectation that everybody should be welcome. And awesome. they, uh, found that to be valuable to use these resources to make those places, uh, more accessible. And then again, this is like planting the seeds, you know, if we, we train hundreds of people around the country to do this. Um, they spend the rest of their career with that in mind, and they yeah. uh, bring that 
uh, to different contexts that we never even know about. I'm going to jump. To oh, go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, Anthony, uh, this is Dan. I, I just wanted to share one story that, you know, it's it, the Unity uh, app primarily has National Park Services on it, but we did have one of our affiliates, uh, the North Dakota Association uh, of the Blind, that worked uh, with a museum and cultural center in North Dakota. I believe it's called the Scandinavian uh, Cultural Museum, but I might be saying that not 100% right on their name. And for that, I apologize to Zelda Gephardt. But she kind of worked with the ADP committee and then uh, worked with their Scandinavian museum and actually de they developed um, materials that are on the UNID app. So that was really a nice partnership. And the again, an ability to use this source code that's available to everyone to now yeah. audio describe uh, their Scandinavian museum in Minot, North Dakota, where they didn't have a whole lot of financial resources to do something, you know, uh, at that next level up, but found but found through the Unity app a way to get a very good quality product available to the blind and low vision community in North Dakota. So that was a really good example, I thought. I love that. So I'm going to transition back to Michelle and Holly. Do you um, want to tell the folks if they don't want to wait until convention, where they can go to get the access pass and uh, what some of the benefits are of it? And then we'll do another hand check. I mean, Michelle? Sure. So, um, so the access pass, as Holly had said earlier, is um, uh, free and available um, to people with disabilities. Um, you can, um, if you have a park that's local to you, you can call them up, or reach out to them to see if they issue the access pass. Not every, um, not every park, I believe, um, has the ability to issue the access pass. And if they don't, you can simply um, do an internet search for um, National Park Service Access Pass, and it'll take you because it's not just it's it's not just for the national parks. Um, and Polly, Holly, please jump in here if I'm misspeaking. Um, but it's a it's a pass for um, uh, other that that's also done in partnership with other land management agencies. So it'll take you. Um, to a website where you can fill out an application uh, to get one of those passes. Thank you. Holly, anything to add? Yeah, I guess. Um, so definitely stop by your, your nearest park, um, your national park or federal recreational land. Um, in person, they are free. But if you go online, there is an application, but it's a $10 processing fee when you do it online. All right, Byron, let's do a hand check real quick. All right, there are no more hands at the moment. How about you, Byron? Any questions? Oh, man, put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I, would, I would like to know what is the most complicated thing that you guys have had to describe? Like, which, what, what's a good audio description challenge that you guys have had to face? So I, I think this is Michelle, and I, I would say that maps definitely are a huge challenge, which is um, something that, that Pat and Brett already talked about. Um, very um, um, 
complex art illustrations are another huge challenge. Um, this past Descriptathon, we were working on a brochure collage that pretty much took up one side of this foldable brochure. You can unfold it and can hold your hands out. And that's about, um, you know, about, I don't know, uh, 12 and a half, um, let's see, one and a half feet, um, you know, to hold this brochure. And it has, is from Santa Monica Mountains. It has everything in it. It has every possible scenario and experience you could have in the park, which is um, both a natural and cultural history sort of experience. So you've got people um, sitting at picnic tables on hiking trails. You have um, um, you have animals in, hanging in trees. You have all kinds of flora and fauna, um, just real in this very um, rich and detailed collage. So trying to present that in a way that people just don't get lost in, um, I think one of our judges has aptly called it the spaghetti, um, is really quite <laughs> challenging. Um, you know, some other challenges that we've talked a little bit about, I think, here um, in terms of looking at diversity and inclusion, I, I know that's been brought up in some of the announcements, um, and certainly um, we talk a lot about this in our descriptathons. Um, some challenges are how do we describe um, things like race and gender? Um, what happens when we don't know someone's um, um, you know, someone's race and we're just making guesses at it. What, what do we do? Those are challenges too, that um, we're still, um, you know, having conversations about in our descriptathons and as we're writing description. Another area would be, you know, how do we, what do we do with history? You know, we've got this, a lot of civil war uh, battlefields and how is that going to be portrayed and argued and, and, and delivered and all. So, yeah, mm -hmm. there are areas that are more complicated than others that, that uh, you know, we learn from and we're learning over time what the best way to do that is. So fairly complicated, but very exciting. And it's great to be part of the process for describing this and judging and coming up with good products. Pat, Susan, Holly, Michelle, Brett, I really want to thank you so much for taking time out of a pre-holiday Sunday that I'm sure you all have many, many things to do to come here and help us have this conversation. I really want to thank my co-host for the Sunday, JoLynn. Without you, we would not have been able to put on this show. So I am going to give the final thoughts to you, JoLynn. Oh, my goodness. Um, thank you to, to Brett. Holly, uh, Michelle, and Susan, and Pat, and Dan, and to all of our volunteers, both ACB and outside for contributions to the Unity Project. It's, it's only halfway, you know, we're only halfway done. And I hope everyone will volunteer. I hope there's been some interest, uh, you know, sparked. And uh, gosh, just thank you. Lots of gratitude here as we go into Thanksgiving week. Absolutely. Thank you right back. This has been an amazing week for the American Council of the Blind Audio Description, the Audio Description Project, the UniD Project, Descriptathon. Um, 
I don't want to close out the week, but I guess I really have to. I will be back next week with a conversation about flying internationally with your guide dogs. This is something that personally I'm actually going through at the moment, and I will be interviewing someone who unfortunately had to leave their dog behind in Kenya because of um, paperwork restrictions that were not felt, that were not taken care of. Um, and so to avoid that happening to anyone else, Sunday edition is gonna have that very important conversation next week. I hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving and please tune into our Thanksgiving day programming. I believe it's gonna be on media six all day long, but if I am lying, then somebody will slap me later, but I'll be there from the five to six o'clock hour and I'll be back next week to brunch with you all. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you, and let's brunch again next Sunday.